The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2690. It's a Spinner Sunday, and we're going to talk about the last story in the Rise of the Empire bind-up. This is The Levers of Power by Jason Fry, and it features Admiral Ray Sloan at the Battle of Endor. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So The Levers of Power is the final story in that Bind Up the Rise of the Empire which we've been talking about over the last couple of Sundays. First we talked about Mercy Mission by Melissa Scott and then we talked about Oh, it was Bottleneck, That's It by John Jackson Miller, and now we've got The Levers of Power by Jason Fry. And in between those three stories were A New Dawn by John Jackson Miller. That was the very first novel in the new rebooted canon, which featured Hera and Kanan in their meeting before the events of Star Wars Rebels, so getting the two of them together, which of course is very exciting. And the Tarkin novel by James Luceno, which details Tarkin and Vader kind of getting to work together really in depth. I mean, I'm sure they must have had something to do with each other prior to the events of the Tarkin novel. It still, you know, takes place comparatively early in the Galactic Empire's times, but it's the story of them really kind of getting to know each other and their working habits and styles and likes and dislikes and all that fun stuff. And the first two short stories, Mercy Mission and Bottleneck, both take place kind of close to each other in the sense that they are also prequels to A New Dawn. Both of them take place before the events of that novel. However, The Levers of Power jumps ahead by nearly 20 years, probably close to you know, 15, 17 years. And whereas the other two short stories we've already talked about, Mercy Mission and Bottleneck, take place comparatively close to each other and also before the events of A New Dawn, so they serve as prequels to that story, if you will, The Levers of Power actually jumps ahead some 17-ish years into the future and takes place, as I said at the top, at the Battle of Endor. And whatever she does from that point on, she apparently does very well because not only has she climbed back up the ranks, but she's even exceeded where she was. She's no longer a vice admiral. She is a full-on admiral now and apparently the second highest ranking admiral behind Admiral Piet. I also mentioned at the top that it features Admiral Ray Sloan. Admiral's a new title for her as we encounter her in this story. In previous stories, she was a captain. That's what she was promoted to in Bottleneck by John Jackson Miller that we talked about just this time last week. And then she's a captain in the events of A New Dawn. Apparently she's eventually promoted to Vice Admiral and that's what rank she has in the Kanan comic book maxi series that came out a few years ago where she has another shot at capturing Kanan Jarrus and doesn't get it right. And so as a result, she's busted down from Vice Admiral to Commodore and she appears in the story mode of Star Wars Squadrons and at that time she is a Commodore right after the events of A New Hope when the Death Star has obliterated Alderaan and I feel like we're not done with Ray Sloan in Star Wars 
storytelling just yet. I mean, I know that these stories were published in 2015 and the Kanan Maxi series also came out, you know, around that time, I think, you know, many years ago. And of course, the Aftermath novels were 2015, 16, 17. But then Star Wars Squadrons came out just last year and she's in it. And as far as we know, she survived the events of the Aftermath trilogy. She went off to the Unknown Region. So who's to say what she's up to after the events of the Aftermath trilogy? That's 5ABY and she's still kicking around. So yeah, I feel like we're not necessarily done with her just yet. Now, it's one thing to consider the other stories in which she's appeared and she's been written about by a lot of different Star Wars writers. But funnily enough, it's also about the connections as well. So there's a guy named Pell Balo who was a flight instructor and Admiral Ray Sloan in this story is kind of reflecting on her mentors over the years and Balo is one. Balo actually ties in to a story that was also written by John Jackson Miller called Orientation. It was a short story that appeared in Star Wars Insider and that was actually a prologue to the Lords of the Sith novel by Paul Kemp. In that story, Balo basically said, I really hate the Empire. I can't believe that it's transformed into this from the Republic and I'm done just hating it and tries to do something about it. And he actually tries to take a ship into the son of Christophsis to kill Palpatine and Vader, but alas, that doesn't work out. Palpatine and Vader keep the assassination attempt secret though, which is reflected in Sloane's musings in this story because she doesn't think to herself, yeah, and then he tried to kill the Emperor. Crazy, right? Like, no, that's not any part of her reflections. She's just thinking about how best to convey confidence on a starship, especially when there's a battle going on because fear spreads like a contagion throughout the bridge crew. At least that's her experience and her training. And so she's learning how to be able to communicate her confidence and her calm clearly in a situation that then becomes very much a case where it's necessary to project that level of confidence and calm. And Count Vidian from Bottleneck and A New Dawn also come into play where she is ruminating on the lessons that she learned from him, even despite the fact that he turned out to be really not good for the Empire, and that's a whole other story. And in The Levers of Power, she does something that nobody else in the Empire managed to do, at least as far as we know, which is figure out just what the Rebels were up to outside of what was happening in the Emperor's throne room, right? The Emperor knew exactly what was going on, but he only told Piet to make sure that the Rebels didn't escape. And, you know, this was a fun fact that there are interdictors in the system. Those are the things that pull ships out of hyperspace and back into real space and then prevent them from jumping to hyperspace. So so I'm sure I knew at some point that there were interdictors in the system preventing ships from leaving. And it wasn't just like, oh, there's a bunch of Star Destroyers out there. That's why they can't leave. But it was great to be reminded that that was the case. And we know they can't do everything in the movies, right? And certainly there's probably a little bit of, you know, after the fact stuff where <laughs> as writers, you can explore things that didn't get to be explored because you've had time to think about these things for 20, 30, 40 years or so forth. But in this particular case, Admiral Ray Sloan gets to step back and evaluate the tactics of the rebels and be aware situationally of what is going on in that whole Endor battle theater. And 
puts together the pieces and figures the rebels are actually acting sanely if you presume that they're stalling for time instead of not just trying to escape out of the system. But unfortunately, that realization comes a bit too late as does her realization that if the Death Star is vulnerable, then the Executor is going to be the biggest ship and the biggest weapon in the Imperial Arsenal, and they better guard that, but she's not fast enough to get back to the Executor and help defend that either. And once that's gone, well, all bets are off, and everybody is shocked, shocked on the bridge of her Star Destroyer, the Vigilance. And I like that in this story, and I think this is purposeful by Jason Fry. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but the Devastator gets name-checked specifically in this story. And the Devastator is, of course, the Star Destroyer that Vader was on when they were chasing down Princess Leia at the very beginning of A New Hope. Seems like a particular nod, to me at least. And that particular ship is listed as having taken heavy damage and not responding to comms, so probably not one of the ones that survives the whole affair. But the most fascinating part of the story is the fact that there's an Imperial Security Bureau agent on the bridge who is not supposed to be on the bridge and is ticking everybody off because he's on the bridge. And the fact that Ray Sloan has come to the conclusion that this is about to be a losing battle and that they have to get everybody out of the system that they can. Well, she's not going to be able to do that while this Imperial Security Bureau officer is questioning her loyalty and the loyalty of everyone else around. This officer has been questioning the loyalty of everybody since hearing that they weren't going to attack the rebels, that Piet was giving the orders not to attack the rebels, that it's coming from the Emperor. And it just highlights the notion that in these sort of you know authoritarian fascist regimes nobody can ever be loyal enough nobody can ever be patriotic enough nobody can be absolutely completely dedicated to the emperor without being questioned as to whether their loyalty and their devotion is enough like there's always doubt being cast and it always leads to this infighting and violence and backstabbing and distrust and everything just falls apart around it. So on the one hand, it's kind of a surprise and a shock when Sloan just murders the ISB agent in cold blood on the deck of her ship before ordering the jump to hyperspace. But on the other hand, kind of not a surprise because this is what happens when loyalty is always going to be questioned and you just need to get stuff done. Not that murder is the answer in the real world to be able to achieve your aims, but yeah, you can certainly see how in this kind of fascist authoritarian system, that's exactly how things are gonna play out from time to time. So I'll wrap this up by saying that I like the story, I like the way that Jason Fry showed Sloan's thought process in arriving at how bad things were about to be before the rest of the Empire on site saw it. And I also feel like this story, I wanted to see it somewhere else in the sense that because in the timeline, it's so far removed from the two novels and the other two short stories in there. Yes, I know characters overlap and whatnot, and that's fine, but it felt like it belonged somewhere else to me. And I feel like I wish I had had a, a different short story put in there that might've tied in a little closer in the timeline considering the other stories. But I'm glad it was a story that was told 
canceled and I don't know like maybe as part of a bind up with the aftermath novels maybe that might have been fun but be that as it may cool story and well worth the read and that right there is going to do it for this episode of the podcast it just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be by seven is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respected trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.